Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Being a Christian works when I work at being a Christian. What? That's a tongue twister. No, listen. What I'm trying to say is that just because I'm a Christian, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be a strong Christian. One of the most frustrating things that I've seen over the years is when someone decides to become a Christian and receive Christ as their Savior, or come to church, or say they believe in God, and then they stop there, and they never really take any steps to become a strong Christian. That's frustrating. It just doesn't work. So many people have given up on Christianity because they said it doesn't work, but the truth is they never really learned to work their Christianity. Amen. And so I just want to stir you up. I want to encourage you to lean into your relationship with God, make it a priority, make a decision to become a strong Christian. It won't automatically happen. And that's why we're taking the time across all of our campuses, and we're talking about building a strong Christian life, developing a passion for spiritual disciplines, spiritual. This is an ongoing, progressive state of maturing, developing a passion for some of the basic fundamental ingredients that will go into building a strong Christian life. Now, I just want to remind you, this is not an in-depth teaching. None of these have been, but they're enough to get you primed. They're enough to get you started. We have a workbook or a study guide that we've taken time to create. It's got all the scriptures and more. There's other resources that you can go to books and different resources that you can go deeper in each one of these disciplines. I want you to think about this with me just for a second. Uh, What do you think some characteristics should be in a person who's becoming a strong Christian life? Let me put it this way. Uh, If you were accused of being a strong Christian and you were accused in a court of law, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a strong Christian? What are some characteristics that we would think are part of being a strong Christian? For example, do you think one of the characteristics should be a passion to share the gospel with other people? A desire to point people to Jesus? A concern for people's destiny on earth and their eternal destiny, amen, after they leave earth? Should that be a characteristic of a strong or a growing stronger Christian, amen? How about having a passion for the Bible? and investing time with God, reading the scriptures, even maybe memorizing some verses, right? Taking out your sword in the middle of battle, studying the scriptures. Do you think having a passion for the scriptures could be or should be one of the characteristics of a person who's becoming a strong Christian? 
Anybody think that? How about developing a passion for the Holy Spirit? To understand who he is and the ministry that he brings and the the gifts that he brings and the character transformation that he wants to bring about in my life and in your life. Do you think a strong, growing Christian should have a passion for the Holy Spirit? How about praise and worship? Do you think a growing, strong, growing Christian should be becoming passionate about praise and worship? Not just on Sunday mornings but living a lifestyle of worship to the Lord when you're at home and you're raising your kids and you're, you're mowing the lawn and you're involved in whatever sports you do. I mean, our lifestyle should be one of praise and worship. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we're perfect. Nobody's perfect except Jesus, amen? But there should be this, this ongoing progressive growth in becoming a strong Christian. And that's what we're talking about. So if you've missed any of those messages, you can... Find them on our podcast at our website. They're free. You can listen to them. You can watch them and catch up. Today, I want to start with new content, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And I want us to read this verse together. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It's on the screen. Let's all read together at the count of three. One, two, three. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. The title of today's message is Developing a Passion for Prayer Life. Developing a Passion for Prayer, to simplify it. See, I want you to just know in this context, Paul, some of you are familiar with Ephesians chapter 6. Paul talks about the armor of God, right? And he says that we're supposed to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And now that you've made a decision to live a life with the armor of God, he gets to verse 18. He says, all of this armor is for the battle. And the battle takes place in prayer. What battle? Pastor Robert, I'm not in a battle. Oh, but we are. We fight from victory, not for victory, but we are in a battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, listen, you're not battling against human beings. You're not battling against flesh and blood, but you are battling in this unseen realm where there's demonic rulership, principalities and powers, and he goes through this list of demonic dark rulership, and they're doing everything they can to keep you from finding Christ and staying on the path for Christ, doing everything they can to keep your family from following Christ and finding the path of Christ. So Paul says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. That would include yourself and that would include your family. What does he mean when he says pray in the spirit? Well, there's a lot of different uh, ideas, but, but I think it would mean pray with the Spirit's help, pray in alignment with the Word of God, pray in alignment with the will of God, pray in faith, pray in the name of Jesus, right? We're supposed to be uh, engaging the Holy Spirit's help when we're praying. Here's your very, very first point or truth that I want to make. Very simple. Kids, you can even understand this. So here's a question. What is Prayer. A lot of great answers. I'm going to just give you one simple one. Here's the truth. Prayer is an intimate exchange with God. An intimate exchange. What's intimate? Intimate is close. 
like a friend. God is your friend and an intimate, close exchange, meaning you're talking to God, and at times God is talking to you. doesn't mean you're hearing him audibly, but in the spirit, in your spirit, in your heart, you're talking to God audibly, and you're hearing him inside. He speaks to you in many different ways. Someone could define prayer this way, upfront, intimate conversation with God, expressing a wish, a desire, or a vow. Did you know that the early church had a passion for prayer? Acts 2.42, look at it with me. And they, that's the church, the people who were born again, the people who got saved, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that's the teaching, and fellowship, that's connection, includes breaking of bread, sharing communion, and eating tacos. Amen. Amen. And in prayers... Prayers, prayers, prayers was part of the early church. It's so important. Speaking of prayer, you guys know that I like to go fishing. And I do it in the mountains sometimes. So a pastor, he goes hiking, and as he comes around a corner on the trail, he comes across a giant black bear. The bear lets out a growl, and he's about to charge when the pastor falls on his knees And he prays, Lord, I pray that the bear would become a Christian. In an amazing miracle, the bear is converted instantly and stops where it is. And now the bear looks up and he begins to give thanks. Thank you, Father, for the meal I'm about to receive. I know it's funny, but I've come across a black bear fly fishing, and I felt just about like that. And I'm, I'm glad that the prayer didn't, you know, occur in his conversion and him praying to eat me. But, hey, listen, prayer works. I want to show you a real story from the Bible about prayer, about a woman named Hannah. It's an Old Testament story. It's a great story. We're not going to talk in depth about it, but I just wanted to look at a couple of verses, and I want to share with you about God's heart when it comes to our praying to him. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 and 20, I want to read to you from the Bible. It says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. She made a promise to God. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Verse 20. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. The name Samuel means God has heard. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. Some of you may be familiar with this story. Hannah was a devoted woman of God. She loved God. But Hannah hadn't birthed any children. And in that culture, in that day, it was really, really a a sad, bad, cultural thing for a woman to not have a child. So much so that another woman, her husband's other wife, guys, that's not okay today, She would ridicule Hannah. She would make fun of Hannah because she had a bunch of kids, but Hannah didn't have any. But God loved Hannah. 
And Hannah loved God. And so one morning or one day she's in the temple or she's praying and the priest sees Hannah and she's moving her lips, but she's not saying anything. She's praying in her heart and the priest thinks that she'd been drinking alcohol. And she says, oh, no, no, I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm sorrow in my heart and I'm praying to God and I'm, I'm asking him for a son. I don't have any. I don't have any kids. And, and the priest blesses her and he understands. And the Bible says that Hannah goes away and she knew her husband and the Lord visited her. And she had a son named Samuel. And before she had the son, the Bible says that she made a vow, a commitment to give her son back to the Lord, to never, never let a razor cut his hair. That was a Nazarite vow. And they wouldn't drink any alcohol. They wouldn't cut their hair. And they wouldn't come in contact with anything that would make them unclean, like a corpse or a dead person. And there were different lengths of time. Sometimes it would be a lifetime. Sometimes it would be for a shorter amount of time. But Hannah made this vow. And as soon as she had the boy, she took him to the temple when he was old enough. And she dedicated him to the Lord. And she just left him there. And that man... Samuel became one of the greatest prophets in all Israel for God. And so what's the point of this message? Well, first of all, I want to share this. It's important that when you don't have a prayer answered, that you don't bring your experience to a place where it's over God's willingness to answer prayer. Just because God didn't answer your prayer, and just because God didn't answer my prayer, that doesn't necessarily mean that God doesn't answer prayer. There's a lot of reasons why prayers aren't answered. I'm going to share one with you today. It's not in my notes, but I feel compelled to share it. It's a big reason. Okay? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a major reason why a lot of prayers go unanswered. Jesus said, when you stand praying, if you have anything against your brother, forgive him. And then he says this, this is powerful. He says, if you don't forgive, your heavenly father won't forgive you either. Now, under the blood, we're forgiven. But you can live your life in a state of unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness and offense towards people that have hurt you or done things against you or haven't done things for you. And you carry that along with you and you don't experience the free-flowing forgiveness that God's offering to you through Jesus because you're all tied up with that unforgiveness on the inside of you. That's a major reason why a lot of prayers aren't answered. There's several more, but I just want to share that one with you. It's so important. Freely, we've been forgiven. Therefore, freely, I forgive. Come on, say this after me. I am a forgiving person. Now, now that person that you thought about right now, just make a decision. Forgive them. Tear up the IOU. Tear it up. God tore your up. He tore my up. Amen. It'll do you so much better if you make a decision just to be a forgiving person. Hannah asked the Lord for a son and God answered her prayer and gave her a son. Here's the second truth, real simply. Truth number two. God answers prayer. 
God answers prayer. Come on, say it with me, church. God answers prayer. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. I love it. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Notice it says that we ask according to his will. According, Pastor Robert, what's his will? Well, generally speaking, his will is his word. Generally speaking. Specifically, that's between you and the Lord. It's got to line up with scripture. It's got to be inside of God's parameters. It's got to be according to the Holy Spirit's help. We're just not praying all kind of stuff. We're praying according to God's will. And as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, and as you grow in your reading the scriptures, the Holy Spirit begins to show us what is his will for us and what isn't his will for us. Amen? So that's a qualifier. But I wanted to show you that because that builds confidence. When we ask God, and it's in alignment with his will, God is a God who wants to answer our prayer. God is a God who wants to move on our behalf, right? I've been saved for almost 30 years. Almost 30 years. I'm still under construction but I have to admit, I am now finding a prayer life that I've yet to experience over the last 28 years. I'm learning to invest time praying and seeking the heart of the Father and seeking the will of God. Pastor Robert, why, what's the point of you sharing that with me? That's you, not me. I'm sharing that with you because every one of us has room to invest in time praying to God. You haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. Amen. And there's still room to grow in this wonderful, wonderful gift that we have called prayer. Ephesians 6.18. Look at it again with me. The front half, Ephesians 6.18. Notice what it says. It says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. One Bible scholar expanded this verse like this. Praying in every moment, at any time, whenever you get an opportunity, and doing it with every kind of prayer that is available to use. Anybody ever hear of praying in the Spirit, like praying in a heavenly language or praying in tongues? I don't mean to freak anybody out. I don't mean to do that at all. It's not a divisive issue. I'm not teaching about that. But I just want to let you know, if that's a gift that you have, if that's something you've experienced, that's a great spiritual discipline to exercise at home when you're at home praying, praying in the spirit. It builds you up. It strengthens you. It goes beyond your understanding and it's spirit to spirit. It's so powerful. And then in any other way that you can pray, make a list, ask God to help you pray for your kids, pray for your career, pray for yourself, pray for your pastors, pray for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Take every occasion and pray. Prayer works when we work prayer. Here's the third truth I want to give you this morning. Real quick, prayer should be constant and consistent. You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. Pastor Robert, how do I pray when I'm working or I'm working with a customer? It doesn't literally mean pray without ceasing. It means be in an attitude of prayer. Be aware of his presence. Be ready to engage and ask for his help. Be ready to engage and pray for somebody if an occasion calls for it. Become a person of prayer. Become a person of prayer. Now, those are three truths. Very simple. Before we leave, five minutes. I want to give you three reasons why some people don't pray. Real quick. Number one, ignorance. That's not a bad word. 
That just means we don't know how easy it is to talk to God and how easy it is to ask for his help. In one scripture in the Old Testament, Hosea 4, 6, the front half, God speaking through a prophet, he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, for what they don't know. They're just, they're not experiencing everything I have for them because they simply don't know something. So number one reason, not the number one reason, but number one on my list of three reasons why people don't pray is they just don't know. They don't know how it is to talk to God. They don't know how to pray. And so that's why we're talking about this. It needs to become part of our life. Number two, here's another reason people don't pray. Unbelief. Unbelief. Hosea 4.6 goes on to say, because you have rejected knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. Now I want to just make a, a distinction. Unbelief is different than ignorance. Unbelief is knowledge that one chooses not to accept because they have an underestimated, uh, the deep, deep, authentic love of God, and thus they don't have a willingness to receive the power for living that he wants to give them. Jesus experienced unbelief when he walked on the earth. Jesus wasn't able to do some things in some people's lives because of unbelief. There are people today who hear things about God and they choose to stay in unbelief rather than open up to God. And there are Christians who operate in unbelief in some area of their Christian life or another. And because of that, they choose not to open up to God. And some people choose not to pray. Here's a third reason why some Christians don't pray. This is a great equalizer. Time. T-I-M-E. Every one of us have 168 hours per week, 24 hours a day. So we all have the same amount of time. Time. The real problem, though, isn't time. The real problem is value. We invest time in what we value, right? Can I show you one more Bible verse before we close up? Worship team, you can come to the front. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Those of you who have heard it, I don't want us to look specifically at that one. I want us to look at verse 12, but I want us to recite verse 11 too. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. How many of you have heard that verse before? It's a great verse. I believe it's for us. God, God has a future and a hope for us. But look at verse 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Isn't that wonderful news to know that the creator of the universe, God, is waiting for us to call upon him. He's waiting for us to invest time with him, to pray, to commune, to talk to him. I think it's wonderful. I think it's powerful. I promise this is a key ingredient to helping you and I build a strong Christian life. I've been reading a book recently. It's by Andrew Murray. It's called The Prayer Life. And I want to share with you what he said just real simply. He says, as you enter your prayer time, let your first work be to thank God for the unspeakable love that invites you to come to him and talk with him freely. It's the first thing we can do when we pray is to thank God that we get to come to him and we get to talk to him freely. Okay, Pastor Robert, 
okay, what should I do now? I'm not so much into praying and I want to grow or I want to go to the next level. What should I do now? Just want to give you a couple, couple things you can do. You can do, okay? Number one, uh, you can commit to reading a book on prayer. In your study guide, there's three books that we recommend that you can purchase and you can invest in and read about prayer. One of them is a compilation of this man that I'm reading, Andrew Murray. So commit to reading a book about prayer. It will inspire you. The Holy Spirit will use you to coach you and to move you forward in that. Here's the second thing you can do. You can take three to four days a week, three to four days a week, and commit to 15 to 20 minutes of prayer three to four days a week. That would be a great goal, and you can do it. We can do it. Three to four days a week. Some of you might be like, Pastor Robert, that's easy. I'm at six days a week. Hey, praise the Lord. Some people might be at zero days a week, though. So three to four days a week is a great goal. Isn't that true? Ten or 15 minutes. Start with the Lord's Prayer, and the Holy Spirit will build you from there. Here's the last thing you can do. If you want to encourage yourself in prayer, you want to engage in praying with people online, you can join me on Monday nights at 8.30 if you're still awake. Facebook Live, we've been having a prayer session for the last three or four weeks. Several people join. We're recording it. You can go back and listen to it. The Lord is just leading me to pray for people, to pray for the church, to pray for breakthrough, for pray for God to move in our lives. So if, if you're wanting to be encouraged in prayer, those are some opportunities that you can kind of take yourself to the next level. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.